0: Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Southwest Virginia Fishing Report with Matt Riley. How you doing, Matt?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Marvin. How are you?
0: As always, just trying to stay out of trouble and uh, took a look at your weather, and I may actually have to buy into the fact that it's cooler in Southwest Virginia than it is in Central Virginia, because you're not going to hit the century mark anytime soon.
1: <laughs> no, man. I, I don't think we've hit the century mark since I've lived here. Um and, yeah, I think, you know, we might see 90 later this week when kind of the peak heat hits. But for the most part, we've been in a pretty consistent, you know, 65, 70 to mid-80s um, temperature swing for the last little bit. So, we're uh, we're realistically pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, even though it's cooler where you are, really everything's about smallmouth right now. And, you know, what are you seeing on the water?
1: Yeah, Um it, uh, you know, we have, it definitely is all about smallmouth for me, for the most part. We have had um, cooler water in the last couple of weeks, um, along with a lot of these summertime thunderstorms. It's kind of cooled some of the mountain trout streams off a little bit. Um, I've been out there a couple of days messing around with that and um, doing pretty well early in the day, but um, smallmouth is, is really my main focus all summer. and um, and early fall, and we have been kind of, you know, all over the place the last couple of weeks. We've had um, storms rolling through just about every day. Um, this week, it looks like we're going to get a little bit of break in that. But gosh, last week and the week before that, you know, most days they were calling for anywhere from a third to an inch of rain. And you know, this time of year, is just kind of a gamble as to as to what you're going to get. There were There was a three-day stretch a couple of weeks ago. I was fishing with the same folks from Northern Virginia, and they were calling for no less than two-thirds of an inch every day we fished, and we didn't get wet once. And it was sunny most most of all three days. So, um, you know, if 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 anybody asks me this time of year, you know, what the weather's going to do, my answer is I have no clue. Um, We may get wet, we may not, but. Um, you know, we're kind of rolling with the punches.
0: Yeah, there you go. And, you know, it's funny too, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, summertime smallmouth fishing, everyone thinks about fishing, basically that passive topwater approach with a, a cicada or a, a dragonfly or something like that. But that's not always the most productive way to catch fish.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a weird spot for me um, as as a guide and somebody who, you know, lives and breathes for topwater smallmouth fishing. Um, But there is, in the summertime, oftentimes a disparity between, you know, what the most effective technique for the day is based on the ambient foraging events are going on and, you know, what people want to do, what I want to do, which is always topwater fishing. Um, But there, you know, there's a very... Distinct time frame, usually in late summer, you know, August through the end of September, where, um, you know, you have lots of lots of insects kicking around, a lot of insects starting to die off, particularly those dog day cicadas. Um, typically, you have your you know low water, lowest water of the year, um, and top water fishing is really really good, and that's kind of the the ambient condition that's going on. Um but throughout, you know, June, July, there's there's a few other things going on that sometimes kind of complicate things a little bit. Like for example, the last couple of weeks, there's been a there's been a real kind of preference, it seems, for crayfish flies. Um, because we have several, several different species of crayfish that um are molting in the kind of mid to early summer timeframe. And so there's some days where you're out and about and, um, all things considered top water conditions are great. You've got low clear water, bright sun, um, et cetera, And they're just not eating them like, like you think they should be. And then you can switch to a crayfish fly or, or something, you know, kind of buggy or creaturey subsurface and, and start catching more fish. And, uh, you know, it's kind of I, I put that up to my clients what they want to do um, because a lot of people have more fun throwing topwater flies than they do subsurface flies, and God knows it's kind of a pain in the butt to really methodically work uh, the bottom with a with a crayfish fly when you could be throwing a topwater bug. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean those things those things change uh, throughout kind of that early summer time frame, and then. Um, you know that said, some of those days where we've got real clear, real low water, um, you can you can do some sight fishing with topwater flies because I really I feel like it's one of the most effective ways to to sight fish a smallmouth bass it's cruising in shallow water. But um, you know, sometimes I think they're cruising those shallow rocky flats looking for other kinds of food and just having. You know the ability to to feed a fish, to be able to put a fly right in front of them, helps put that fish in the boat. But if you're you know a little bit more blind casting, you're you'd be a lot better off fishing uh, fishing something that that kind of takes advantage of the foraging event that's going on at that time.
0: Yeah, it's also I guess easier to cover water if you're fishing um, like a small stream or something because at least you're getting the opportunity to show that that fly to a
1: lot more fish. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something we, I think we talked about in the last fishing report, or maybe one before that. Um, You know, it's not an abnormal condition in, you know, during this time of year where we're having all these, you know, pretty intense pop-up thunderstorms to have, you know, average to even low stream flows uh, with some color in them. You know, some dingy to dirty water that's no no higher than than you would normally be fishing and in those kinds of situations in particular um streamer fishing definitely rules now you can still catch fish on top water flies particularly ones that might make a little bit of noise or show off a little bit of flash and um you know that are a little less passive but um it's uh you know again it's 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 a question of what what a fish will eat versus what they uh what they're looking for and what's the most effective tool for the job.
0: Yeah, got it. And got a really interesting question for you too, from Ed. Ed's been out a lot this year, smallmouth fishing, and he's seeing a lot more uh, mammals. So he's seen a lot of otters and minks and things like that. And he was kind of curious, you know, what we should take away from that, from our fishing, you know, so if we see an otter at a particular spot, does that mean we should motor through? Cause he's just chowing down on the smallmouth. Um, or does it mean that maybe they're fish there and we should fish to them?
1: right I think that's a- that's an interesting question, and I don't have a you know quantified answer for that, but uh, you know first of all, something I, I point out to a lot of people because particularly when I worked for the game department, I used to get approached by people all the time saying, Oh, you know, I saw it saw an otter up on such and such a creek and they eat a lot of trout so what are we going to do about it and the answer is uh nothing because otters and minks and muskrats and all those critters are all native and compared to smallmouth bass and wild rainbow trout and brown trout um they've kind of got the uh kind of got the the right to uh to be where they are over over the fish so um but outside of that the uh I, I don't know what the answer is. I can tell you that um, I have several very productive pieces of water that I fish with regularity that have a ton of otters and minks on them, and, you know, there's still plenty of fish. But I think it also might be one of those things like the weather, the wind, or whatever that uh, that people, you know, potentially blame for for other things you know you're floating down the river and not catching as many fish as you think you should, and you see an otter and you think oh well that's that's why, but I don't know if there's a way that we can really quantify that or or prove that, and uh like I think we were talking about earlier, Marvin there's definitely a a couple different ways of looking at it, you know, kind of the glass half full or glass half empty uh outlook is you know are the otters there because um there's lots of, lots of fish there and they want to be there for the same reason we want to be there or because they're there are all the fish dead, um, because that's what they eat. So, um, there's definitely two ways of looking at it, but I, I really don't know what the answer is outside of the fact that if, if you're in good habitat and you've caught fish there before and things look good and you see an otter, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, discount that water because, uh, you know, they 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 don't eat all the fish.
0: Yeah, what if you saw a really fat otter?
1: A uh, really fat otter, um, you might consider coming back and uh, and harvesting its pelt later in the year and trying to sell it because they uh, they go for a pretty good buck some places.
0: Uh, well, there you go. I thought maybe that would mean they were uh, they were
1: eating all the fish. Maybe, <laughs> but uh, you know, again, you know, kind of like. Like the guys on the Tennessee Tailwaters talk about how the stripers eat all the trout. Well, um, I don't think they're eating that many 25-inch trout or or 20-inch trout. So um, whether they're eating a bunch of 6- and 8-inch smallmouth or not, I would would still fish through that water because there might be a big fish that'll make your day.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. And, you know, folks, we love questions at the Articulate Fly. You can email them to us. You can DM us on social media. You can drop them in the comments to our social media posts. Whatever is easiest for you. And if we use your question, I will send you some Articulate swag. And we're in a drawing for something cool from Matt at the end of the season. And, you know, Matt, I know uh, you've got a few days open because you've had a kind of a few cancellations. I saw your Instagram uh, feed a little bit earlier today. You want to let folks know, I guess, you know, one, what you have available, and two, how to find you.
1: Yeah, dude, we've had a ton of cancellations for a bunch of different reasons but uh, so you know I guess the the uh, moral of that story is is whether you think it's you know too last minute or not always reach out because you know there's always days popping up last minute but we got a couple of days I think I have two days left in September and now I think I have about seven in August so first half of august too so um those are uh we need to get those filled so if anybody wants to get out on the river during what is definitely kind of prime time top water season um definitely give me a shout and all that information is on my website which is matt riley com. and uh yeah reach out however you feel best and and we'll get you hooked up
0: Uh, well there you go well listen folks you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few and maybe watch a few otters and tight lines. Everybody <laughs> tight lines, Matt. Thanks, Marvin.